In the beginning was a primordial ocean, the primordial sea from which all life was fashioned. And the sea was female. The second being was a woman. She was an odd one. She listened intently to the wind, the lungs of this world, and she lived in between. To be alive is to break, to say yes, this too. Perhaps we love because of death and not despite it. And when I dozed, I dreamed of flying, as I have not for a long while and so often used to. Welcome to the Story Paths podcast. I'm Theodore Lowry, and this is a podcast about the links between story and culture. And today you're in for a treat. We're going to have a storytelling festival. So new schedule. This podcast is going to be released every second Wednesday, and every other episode will be a storytelling festival, and every other episode will be a very wonderful interview. Now, I'm just coming fresh from a class called Speak Your Spark with Leah Lamb from the School for Sacred Storytelling. And most of the stories from today are coming from that class. The theme of these stories is the beauty of descent and of dark fertility. Our first story is from Eva Marie Pabinaba. And she is a quite mystical and contemplative lady. She is a birth doula and also a death doula. She's a storyteller and she lives where the mountains meet the vast grasslands in the north of this turtle island. The vast horizon holds attention for those with patience to sit and listen. While realms collide with life between them. Some say the journey of death begins at birth, and life lived is the soul finding its way. This is the story of three beings who hold this world for one another, entering and exiting through the same door. She is still in deep winter. It's cold and dark, but it's the part of winter where she can feel that it won't last forever. So while some may be seeing the return of green and possibly blooms emerging, she is still in the blanket part of winter. She pauses in the slow steadiness of this land. It starts with the light, the light that she can feel in her bones coming back. She can feel that if anything is cyclical, like it's supposed to be, she knows the warmth will follow. There was a mushroom troop tucked in the woods and the wood meadows that would help her. She was the first of these beings and they knew her well. Her name was Quietus. They knew which cracks and crevices were most nourishing, decomposing fear as they went. She had this way of making people feel a lot of things all at once, often overwhelming them. When she was around, she would feel some relief She would hear a lot of tears and feel a lot of grief, and this would go on for quite some time. It was like waves crashing and washing, ebbing and flowing. She was gentle, or at least she tried to be. Sometimes it didn't work out that way. 
The second being was a woman. She was an odd one. She listened intently to the wind, the lungs of this world, and she lived in between. Her name was Sentient. She lived in between birth and death and death and birth, and she felt into possibility. She dreamed often. She wasn't fond of systems, but deeply stuck in one. And the third being was nascent. She could fill a room with laughter and hope just by showing up. She was really good at making friends. She would swoop in after all the hard work, after all the squeezing and the fire in the first breath. People would snuggle in close and breathe in her newness. Sentience, the woman, carried a bag of tools with her. She was the one who ushered in nascent and ushered out quietus. Her tools consisted of a tarp, a bowl, towels and washcloths, a drop of soap, sweet-smelling oils, a soft-weighted eye pack, a long silk scarf, ice, a tender heart. She always carried a melody with her and candles too. She would put on a song and fall into it all, sweetness and sorrow. She would think if every single one of us were a note, what a chorus we would be. Now, Quietus allowed sentience to be invited into the realm of the ancestors, to feel into their strengths and their struggles, to see their humanness and connect that to her own. And if she was lucky, she would get to have the pause, the pause to feel into those moments before Nascent came or Quietus left. And every day, Nascent would allow her to tend to the mothers that were portals to the beings from the other world. She worked her magic and used her tools to comfort and keep sacred these passages through time. The sacredness was in the care, the waiting, the breath, the tenderness, seeing that which was unseen, her tools she used for both, both ushering in birth and ushering out death. How could this be, one might ask? She quietly made the bed with a tarp underneath to protect it from the mother's waters that would be released. She quietly placed the tarp on the ground to catch the washing waters of her dearly dead. The bowl held the organ of life, the placental tree that nourished the being inside the mother. The bowl that held the warm water cleansing her dearly dead. The towels, washcloths, a drop of soap, tenderly caring for both. The sweet-smelling oils to allow the mother's journey of birth to be grounded. The sweet-smelling oils to anoint the journey's end, thanking the body for life lived. The soft-weighted eye pack to soften the eyes as she labors, bringing her inward. The soft-weighted eye pack to close the eyes in a final gesture, having seen the beauty and struggles of this world. The long silk scarf to be wrapped tenderly around the hips, opening the portal, allowing the birth to follow. The long silk scarf, sweetly wrapped, closing the mouth, allowing the breath to finally rest. The ice, tenderly, run tenderly in spots, in need for the contracting, and the ice cooling the body that has done its work for this lifetime, and the melody and the candles carrying the embodiment of them both. Imagine the sacredness of being with these beings, with Quietus as she ushered into the ancestral land, with Nascent as she's ushered from the same land, moving between the worlds of sentience. Quietus worked near the end of cycles, and Nascent worked at the beginning, and sentience worked weaving all in between. She would wrap them in warm blankets of laughter, and she would wrap them in warm blankets of earth, and she would hold them both. First the light, 
and warmth would follow. Now this next part of the journey is from me, and it comes in two parts. A little bit about this, what you're going to hear. Life moves in spirals. Hear now the story of a boyhood tumbling in turmoil into adolescence, of a quick stab from death, rightly so, and the story of a fall of the wounded boy, but lacking the culture to contain this fall. And so the boy averted this fall and sought it overseas, only to years later return home to fall again into the underworld, but this time trailing ripped ribbons of insight and perhaps able to glimpse grace nearby more clearly. I awoke. I awoke early this morning, remembering a time before my great woundings, when I was in our family cottage, where I had a bunk bed and a desk with a gooseneck lamp, and I would angle that lamp so that I could read in bed before I took rest. I read of what it was like to be the Grim Reaper, or Mars. It was a time when mum and dad were together and I was unaware of any schism between them. They were hiding this from me out of kindness. And I had not yet been bullied and dad had not died, propelling me into an underworld journey that, aborted, made me flee towards spirit and a partial inhabiting of the estate of myself. Before the rush of screen, frantic addiction to information, before I heard so many helpless people shouting out intimate tragedies from the rooftops, vying for attention with Robocop, Batman video games and all. Before I began to hear the spirits of departed plains Indians singing long, haunting songs from grassy hills bordering the grey, boxy city that I lived in, songs telling of older, truer ways. Before I knew I'd been reared in the belly of the beast who had devoured so much of those ways. I awoke and read poetry and talk by elder women for elder women. And when I dozed, I dreamed of flying, as I have not for a long while and so often used to. I feel now spaciousness for possibility to emerge. I feel volcanic clouds finally clearing from this fertile valley. It is not that these wounds should not have happened. They deepened me, and after all, they did not extinguish the gentle moon which rose before my earliest years.
Since days of old, these times are not so doomed as we are told. There's wonders to behold, fragments to unfold. Hey, 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 hey. Scattered demons, swirling round him tight 
With wings of razors cutting what he used to use To buff himself from the fire below Now burning on all sides Burning parts revealed by winged knives By winged knives, by winged knives Till nothing is a poem from the wonderful poet and artist Jesse White called Hallelujah to the Unsung. This is a poem of honoring the dark, the wildly sane, of seeking sanctuary in the womb of a dark, fertile goddess situated in a starry, spiraling arm of our galaxy. Okay, I'm sitting in my new old car, so I'm going to read this poem that I just sent you. Hallelujah to the unsung, to the dark fecundity of her terrifying tomb, birthing her wondrous womb. Hallelujah to the hunger to sink my soul into the deepest depth of earth. Hallelujah to the weary wounds, welcome home. Aren't you tired too by now? And aren't we all collapsing anyhow? To smile through this insanity is a sword to our soft underbelly. Let us walk the ley lines until we can hear their songs again. Oh, holy human, if we only knew the love of our hidden brokenness. Let me love your broken bits back to belonging. 
standing stark naked in your exile. To be alive is to break, to say yes, this too. Perhaps we love because of death and not despite it. Hallelujah to the hymn of our hollowed heart. The holy is always here. Now moving from fertile soil to fertile sea, here comes a story spoken through Kathleen Prophet. Coming and bringing you all with me to the ground of existence. The earth. In the beginning, in the beginning was a primordial ocean, the primordial sea from which all life was fashioned. And this sea was female, a self-generating, self-perpetuating, self-creating, parthenogenic sea. Until the great urge of that Evo mama said, it is time, it is time, it is time for life to emerge on some further, deeper ground of existence in which all can live. And so the creature started to change. And as the great mother was, the great beginning creature was, she gave each one a job, each one of us a particular job, an imperative to carry. That which was carried by one was now carried by more. Two, the male and the female. Yet both contained that origin story of self-generating, self-creating wisdom within their bodies. Off she sent the males with their phalluses and their drive to protect and create and hunt for food. And off she sent the females with that miniature primordial ocean in their bellies to create the continued creation of the creatures for the earth, for the human creatures. And everyone still remembered, it was so early, early on that still remembered that they really were all one and even knew that in the beginning they were all female or all this one, whatever you want to call it, that, that then began to shape itself into other forms, just like at inception, the beginnings are female. And then if the urge is there to go into the other form of the male, it, it occurs within. So this containment of what we now have named male and female of these perhaps opposites, but yet still the same, have, have lived and continued within us. Something happened and I am still looking into what happened to change <laughs> from that state of, of knowing that we were all part of this one. And so when did that thing happen? I'm still investigating and I will be back with the story about that, where that divisive thing began to occur, occur and this other urge of power came forward and began to divide and separate into a nuclear family, nuclear society, separating out so that these roles were now sequestered to one or the other. The mother doing it all, the father doing his all. And where is the rest of the community? And they didn't even know. No one knew. 
that this was their role or that, th that, that they were all mothers. That's the story that I bring you today. This mother, whatever we want to call it, it is part of our all of our instincts, as is the father. If whatever we want, we could name those as different. And so I invite you to do what we were all created to do, which is to participate in a simple act of kindness or engagement, to come and wash the dishes, to make a phone call, to take the kids out because the kids are the wonder of it all. You don't have to have kids. Please don't if that's not your urge. But be a part of this grand mothering and fathering of our primordial earth. And then you will see the changes you are seeking. Hallowed be your names. <laughs> Thank you for listening. And if this is something you appreciated, please subscribe, leave a review, share it around. It really does help a lot to get this out there. And also, I invite you to send in your stories and poems for our monthly storytelling festival here on the podcast. I can't promise that they'll be chosen according to the different themes we're working with and what fits together, but I would love it if you send them in. I will happily consider them. I'll mention that I have a creative writing story generating class on Skillshare that's come out recently. And this is a class about finding ideas, combining, recombining them, keeping the essence while changing the form. I certainly had fun making it and I've gotten some good feedback that people have had fun and uh, found this quite helpful as well. There's a link below to give you a free month of Skillshare, including my own course. So you can click on that and go through and brainstorm some great ideas. Join us next time for an interview with Elias Gold. He's a young Navajo or Diné man. He runs a YouTube channel called Native Media Theory, and he is bringing us through the representation of Native people in literature and cinema going throughout time and how that's developed, how the different stereotypes and such speak to us about our relations between settler folks and Native folks, Native people's portrayal of themselves and their understanding of themselves through the cinema and coming through into the present day where there's more and more direct Native involvement in authorial and directorial roles in cinema in particular. So very interesting conversation. Hope you'll join us for that. Until next time.